Hey, good morning. Good morning. It's so good to have you all here with us this morning. Happy fourth Sunday of Advent. Merry Christmas as we prepare for that big day this week. And as you gather in and settle, we're going to start off this morning with our candle reading, our Advent candle reading and lighting. And I'm going to ask Aaron Jansen to come and join me. And he's going to guide us in our reading. So as every week, uh, he'll read the reader, and you read the all portion, okay? All right, go ahead. We light the candle of love as we reflect on the words, For God so loved the world that God sent his one and only Son. We remember Mary's song this morning and how she reflected on and responded to her love for God and God's work in the world. With Mary, we reflect on the faithfulness of God throughout history to care for the people of God. We reflect on the truth that Zechariah was silenced while a humble virgin teenager was allowed to sing. It upset the normal systems and elevated the voice of a peasant. This is a reminder to us that the kingdom of God looks different than the systems of the world. May we live lives that reflect the kingdom of God where the voices of the oppressed are elevated while those in power are humbled. We are guided on a journey of seeking out the places where God is at work in unusual ways. We open our ears to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in unexpected places. May we faithfully set aside our preconceived ideas and judgments to truly hear the voice of God in the world. With the love of God in our hearts, May we work to see the love of God at work in the world. God's love embraces all people, regardless of background, race, ethnicity, gender, or any other category we place upon others. May we remember the love that God is extending to all and live out that love to the world around us, especially to those so often overlooked by the world. Amen. Thank you, Aaron. Well, this morning we're going to start things off just a little bit differently. Um, We're going to have our kids do a skit for us this morning. But first, before we get started, I just want to open us up with a word of prayer. So would you join me in prayer this morning? Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be gathered here on this fourth Sunday of Advent. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be in our midst. I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts Lord, we welcome you into this place. May you truly be glorified this morning. And all God's people said in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to News Channel 9, the most reliable source of up-to-date news. Here's a look at today's top stories. An absent Rudolph has been found and is back at his post. He apologizes for his unfair to light conduct and blames the entire incident on it being peak rut season. Dancer, Prancer, and Vixen have refused to comment. Christmas is in full swing. Santa is in his sleigh. His list is with him. He's already checked it twice, and it has been reported that he doesn't often make last-minute changes. It also unfortunately been cited that the Kentucky Coal Corporation has for the first time ever sold out a coal. I want a rhinoceros for Christmas? Well, that's what this disappointed child received when the elves mistook the large rhino for a hippopotamus. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. 
Only a hippopotamus will do. No crocodiles, no rhinoceros. I said no rhinoceros. In an fortunate mistake, the North Pole has apologized and was promising a hippo when the parents insisted on a monetary settlement instead. In other news, Greensleeves is suing What Child Is This for copyright infringement of its familiar tune. And earlier today, the North Pole issued this official statement after the jury decided in favor of the Tooth Fairy. This year long, with all future years, Santa is no longer authorized to gift any child their two front teeth. This just in, the Herald Angels have caught laryngitis. The question remains who will be harking. More on this breaking story as we get updates. Stay with us for more top stories, weather updates, and you'll never guess who we saw kissing Santa Claus. More on that after this commercial break. Are we reporting on the good news? I thought the verdict... I thought the verdict was good news. Santa's not a dentist. I don't want anyone who hasn't gone to dental school messing with my children's teeth. No, I mean the good news. Jesus being born and all that. Um, what do you mean? I don't have any notes on that. It just seems wrong to talk about Christmas and not Christ. Do you have the notes? We're live in 10 seconds. What, what are we supposed to say? You know what? Let's just go live. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you for joining us once again. We're going to take you to a local church in Belleville. Live from BFCN. It's Sunday morning.
2, 4 through 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate that grace and the gift of Jesus this morning. Amen. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing.
us this morning.
prayer together this morning. Amen. Lord Jesus, we come this morning to lift our voices, to lift our praise. We come, Lord, to adore and worship you. God, we recognize the gift that we've been given, and we are thankful for that gift. We are thankful for the life of Jesus and for what that has meant for us and what that has meant for the world. God, I pray that you would draw near to each heart that is in this room this morning. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to hear from you. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to hear the love that you have for us, that we would make room in our hearts for your truth, for your love, for your mercy. God, we think of those this morning who aren't able to be here worshiping with us in person. God, I pray that you would draw near to them and that you would meet them where they are. God, I pray that wherever they may be this morning, I pray, Lord, that they would sense your presence. And God, I pray that they would still feel connected to this community. God, we are thankful for your love that reaches each person right where they are. God, we thank you for your love that meets us right where we are this morning. So, Lord, I just pray that you would be with us, draw near, and open up our hearts this morning. God, we love you. We give you the glory and the praise. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, I was going to say, I hate to ask this. I was looking around for another one I could pull, but... I saw it all ending in disaster because there's chords and everything. Thank you so much, Gabe. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this morning, I would like to invite you all to stand, if you're able to, and join me. Follow along as we read the word of the Lord from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, reading in the New Living Translation this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. Mary responded, 
Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones, and he has exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he has sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, this is Mary's song, Mary's Magnificat. Have you ever heard that term before, Mary's Magnificat? That word Magnificat comes from the Latin word that I'll probably totally butch, but it's Magalani, and it essentially means to declare or to make great, and that's what Mary does. Mary is praising the name of God. She is magnifying and glorifying God with her words and her praise in this song. This song is full of, of praises to God, but it's also full of truth about God. But it's not your typical Christmas song, is it? Remember a few weeks ago, we've said this every week just about that we're reading passages that don't at first feel like your typical Christmas passages. And this is kind of one of those songs that that is not your typical Christmas song. It's probably not going to pop up on the local radio station. It's probably not going to come across your Spotify playlist. The kids are probably not going to say, hey, Alexa, play Mary's Magnificat, right? They're not going to do that, although I'd like them to try and I'd like to see what happens. (laughs) But this is not your typical Christmas song. It's once again a reminder that, that the themes of Advent, the themes of waiting, anticipating, preparing, this is countercultural. And so once again, we see that in this passage and in this song. We are reminded again of God's faithfulness for those who wait. We're reminded of God's love as we celebrate this fourth and final week of Advent. The theme this week is love. And you could almost say that Mary's song is somewhat of a love song. Now certainly it's not your typical love song. It's not your typical mushy, gushy love song. But Mary's song does speak of her love for God, doesn't it? Mary's song speaks of God's love for Mary, and Mary's song speaks of God's love for humanity, for God's people, for all of humanity, by the way, including those who are pushed aside, those who are forgotten, those who are on the margins, those who society often says are unlovable. This song reminds us of God's love for all of us. This song speaks of God's faithfulness. It speaks of God's promises and it conveys this strong, steadfast, faithful love of God that has been expressed and that will continue to be expressed. 
It's a love song that reminds us of just how deep, as we just sang, just how deep the Father's love is for us. It's a song that is somewhat subversive as well. If you pause and acknowledge, this song speaks to the power of God that disrupts and disturbs the powers of this world. It's a subversive reminder that the power of God is breaking in in very unexpected ways. So when my kids were little, one of our favorite movies was Frozen. Any Frozen fans in here? It doesn't matter how old you are, Frozen is a great movie for all ages, but I loved it. I secretly loved it when my kids wanted to watch Frozen on repeat, and I I also appreciated Frozen 2 as well. I thought it was a remarkable movie. They did a great job with with the second one, even though I was skeptical because the first one was just that good. And there's this scene in the second movie between Anna and Kristoff, the two, two of the main characters. You see, Anna has just taken off after her sister Elsa. She's concerned about her sister, and she wants to make sure that her sister's going to be safe. And so she kind of leaves Kristoff in the dust unexpectedly for a little bit. And then she comes back at the end, and she says, Oh, Kristoff, I'm so sorry that I left you. I just had to go after Elsa and make sure she was okay. And Kristoff responds responds with this profound line. It's a great line where he tells her, it's okay, Anna. My love isn't fragile. He says, my love isn't fragile. It's not easily broken. And friends, this song is a reminder that God's love isn't fragile. God's love is strong. God's love is faithful and it's steadfast and it's true. And so while Mary's song could be considered a love song, it's not a mushy love song. It's not a fragile love song because God's love isn't fragile. This morning, as we take a look at this passage, I want us to recognize the robust love of God that is demonstrated. I want us to recognize and acknowledge how Mary describes God's love and what it has done, what God's love is doing, and what God's love will continue to do. And so in this passage, we see, or in this song, we see what God's love has done. See, one of the beautiful things about Luke's gospel is that it connects to the Old Testament. Luke reminds us so beautifully that this is God's continued work, that God has already been moving, that God has already been up to something, and that work is continuing. And so Mary's song is saturated with Old Testament concepts and phrases, and many more than I will have time to even share with you this morning. There's numerous references to the Psalms, and we we are confident that Mary would have been thinking about all of these Psalms that she very well knew. We see uh, references or, or reminders of Miriam's song in Exodus 15 going way back. As soon as the Israelites are, are free and they come out of this time of oppression, Miriam bursts out in song of praise to God. And Mary's song reminds us of this. And bear with me as I point out just some specific connections. In verse 47, Mary says, My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This is a reminder or points to one of my personal favorites, Habakkuk. In Habakkuk chapter 3, the prophet is is speaking of all the ways that that he wants to see God move. He's speaking of all the things that he wants to see. And he's proclaiming, God, even if you don't, 
even if you don't, yet I will still rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will still praise God, my Savior. In verse 48, Mary says, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And this is not humility as embarrassment, but this is humility as recognizing I'm nobody and God has recognized me. This is a reminder of Hannah. Are you familiar with Hannah? You can read her story in the book of 1 Samuel, starting in 1 Samuel, and there is this vulnerable moment where Hannah is longing for a child, and she says to God in 1 Samuel chapter 1, she says, if you would just look upon my sorrow, in other words, look upon my humility and answer my prayer and give me a son, I will give him back to you. And then again, we see this connection in verse 53. Mary says, he has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. Hannah, again, in 1 Samuel, this time chapter 2, she says in a song of praise, those who were well-fed are now starving, and those who were starving are now full. Verse 52, Mary says, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. This is a reminder of Job chapter 5 when Job says he gives prosperity to the poor and protects those who suffer. And then there's references to Abraham, which is all throughout the Old Testament, of course. But, but let's talk about Abraham for a moment and the parallels. You know the story of Abraham and Sarah, right? And how they were well along in age before they would receive their first son that they were waiting for, Isaac. The son that God promised them, the son they were waiting for. And they kept waiting and they were waiting and waiting. And finally, God gave them Isaac. They were well along in age. And so that reminds us of a Elizabeth and Zechariah. We didn't look at them in our particular passage today, but if you just look a little bit above, if you just go a little bit before, you'll see the story of of Elizabeth and Zechariah, and it's a similar story where Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah, they are up there in age, and yet God tells them, you're going to have a son, and their son is John the Baptist, and we see these parallels. But here's the beauty in this, is that God's faithfulness is is, is seen in these long-awaited pregnancies. These long-awaited pregnancies remind us that God is up to something, that God is moving in ways that we couldn't have even known or be prepared for. God is about to do something big. This is a reminder. Look, God is on the way. We see that in this song. So Mary's song speaks to what God has done, reminds us, recalls what God's love has done, and Mary's song describes what God's love is doing. Mary is speaking of this present moment where I would imagine it's all just sinking in at this point. She's just visited her cousin Elizabeth, and Elizabeth has just burst out in joy as she sees Mary pregnant with the Christ child. And it's like it's all just sinking in for Mary, and she's just acknowledging that God has chosen me. He has has looked to me. I'm a nobody, and God has given me this amazing gift. How can we even begin to describe the way that God is is currently moving in unexpected ways in Mary's life? 
How about the fact that God elevates Mary and gives her this place of honor while he has silenced people like Zechariah? We referenced this in our candle reading earlier this morning. You know, Zechariah was a pretty prominent guy. He was a religious leader, and he doubted what God was doing through this pregnancy with John the Baptist, his son, and, and so God silenced him. God, God silenced Zechariah, and so here's this religious leader, this highly esteemed religious leader who no longer has a voice. He's got to take some time to just, you know, really be silent and listen. He's got to do some listening. And then God has elevated this lowly teenage girl. He has given her this place of honor. And just in case you aren't aware, this is not how things operated in this society. This was a very patriarchal society, and women didn't speak let alone speak at, the, at another man being silenced. We, we can't help but notice that God didn't take the avenues of a patriarchal society. God didn't, there's no record of God going to Mary's father and saying, hey, I just want to let you know that this is, gonna, this is what I'm going to do and this is how this is going to work. He doesn't do that. He doesn't even really get Joseph's permission at first, right? He, he just goes straight to Mary and says, Mary, this is what is going to happen, it's, it's actually quite profound that Luke, the gospel writer Luke, who is a member of this patriarchal society, that he would even acknowledge these women and their voices, that he would, that he would put their prophetic words at the front of his book, at the front of his account. This in itself is, is quite profound. What about acknowledging the fact that God has chosen this poor, lowly, no-name girl from a no-name town. Do we really understand what this all looked like? I mean, let's really think about this for a moment. Imagine the Messiah, the King, the Son of God, God in the flesh, being born to this teenage girl and her husband who are, who are preparing space in an animal shelter. The Chosen paints this beautiful, realistic picture of Joseph like shoveling the waist to the side so that they can find a proper place to lay their baby. They're just trying to scramble and make do with where they're at, trying to find a place to lay this baby. This baby's first visitors are going to be the lowest members of society, these lowly shepherds who are told of this good news and they're going to come and that's who his very first visitors are going to be. Call me skeptical, call me pessimistic, whatever, but I just think if this were to happen today, I really think that we would second guess it and we would doubt it like crazy. I really think that we would be, we would be skeptical. Like, is this really how God is breaking in? The kingdom of God is really breaking in through these people, through this scenario? And the reason that I think that is because so often, so often I think we are tempted to, to look at those who are different from us, those who, who have less than us, those who don't live like we do, those whose lives, look, whose lives look nothing like ours, and we're tempted to judge them. We're tempted to doubt them. We're tempted to not pay attention to them. We're tempted to not really give them a second thought. If that doesn't catch your attention, let me just say this. I hear a lot of talk in the church I hear a lot of Christians, a lot of people who are just hungry for God to do something new. 
We talk about this a lot, that we are just hungry. We are desperate for God to do something new. We pray that God would pour out his spirit in new and fresh ways. We want revival. We want renewal. We talk about this a lot. And my question, church, is where are we looking for these things? We want these things. We ache for these things. We long for these things. But where is it that we are looking? Because I highly doubt we're looking in the barn out back in the stable where it's smelly, stinky, dirty, where the little teenage girl and her husband are trying to find a proper place to lay their baby, I don't think we're looking there, are we? Where is it that we are looking for this new thing that we want God to do? Because we're reminded in Mary's song that these are the kinds of places where God is doing a new thing. These are the kind of people that God is elevating and using to do this new thing. So I want to ask us, how much do we really want this new, unexpected thing that we are waiting for? So Mary's song, it describes and recalls what God's love has done. She names what God is doing, and she prophesies about what God is going to continue to do. Mary was reminding the world around her where God was, is at faithful work in the past. She's declaring and revealing what he's doing now, and she is pointing to what God is doing. And remember, this is a time when people were feeling hopeless. It'd been a, it had been a long time before anyone heard anything from God. I feel like it was probably such a long time that people were probably doubting. People were probably skeptical whether or not God was coming back or whether or not he was finished. This was a time where people were hopeless. God was seemingly absent and things were awfully quiet. People were oppressed. They felt forgotten. People were starving and they were desperate. And Mary's song prophesies and reminds us that that God is paying attention to those who feel forgotten. God is is paying attention and drawing near to those who have been pushed to the side for too long. Mary's song declares that those who hold oppressive power, it's going to be removed. Mary's song declares that those who have gained wealth by stepping on the backs of others are going to lose that wealth and walk away empty-handed. Mary's song declares that that those who who have gained their wealth at the expense of others, they're going to lose their ability to acquire and hoard wealth while others continue to suffer. This was a message of extreme hope for people who had been waiting for a long time. This message, this message is found in these prophetic words and they reminded humanity, God isn't finished yet. And it's a reminder for us that despite how quiet it seems, despite how how it feels like things are falling apart, despite all the chaos that just seems to continue to unfold all around us every day, God is not finished yet. God will continue to be faithful to God's people. God will continue to prepare and bring the day of the Lord. God is going to continue to move in unexpected ways. The question is, where are we looking? Where are we looking? 
Dave, thank you for sharing that song, Mary, Did You Know? I love that song, and, and I do really love to, to kind of imagine what it must have been like for Mary to, to see Jesus grow up. And certainly, we understand that as the mother of Jesus, she would see him do things that she probably couldn't have imagined, right? As Jesus grew into this adult and this man who was being used by God, surely she was surprised at some of the amazing and unexpected things that Jesus did, But you know what I also think? I think both things can be true. There were things she didn't know, but I think that this song, Mary's Magnificat, reveals and declares that Mary did know. Mary knew what so many people missed. She saw the ways that God was working and moving, and so many, even the religious leaders, they missed it. And I don't want us to miss it today. I don't want us to miss it. Like Mary, we find ourselves living in a time where people are searching for answers. They're searching for truth. They're searching for hope. And it does seem quiet. And at times it does seem hopeless. It seems as if God is not working or present. And we often look in all the wrong places and, all, and look to all the wrong people, right? We look to, to people of importance and, and people with status. We look to people with fame. We look to people who seem to have all the answers and who seem to have it all figured out. By the way, beware of those people. I would say, I would challenge us, don't forget to look for God in the places that we might not think to look. Don't forget to look in the places that you least expect. When you're looking for God and his direction and his guidance and his hope, when you're looking for revival, for renewal, don't forget to look in the unexpected places. Look around your neighborhood. I mean really Look around your neighborhood. For some of us, we need to go and look at the other neighborhood across town. We need to go to the other side of the tracks and look in a neighborhood that doesn't look anything like ours. Don't forget to look in your schools and in your workplaces. Look for those who don't ever talk to anyone. Look for those who who are always alone and by themselves. Everyone, those who everyone else seems to forget. Look in the homeless shelters. What's God doing there? Do we even have those? Do we even have a place? No. Look in places like Good Samaritan Ministries, where they're literally building container homes for men. And tell me that God isn't at work there. Tell me that God is not doing a new thing for for people who have nothing. Look at the kids' tables. You know, the holidays when you have the kids' table, we always put them over here because they're loud and crazy and obnoxious. But but look for God at those tables because oftentimes they pick up on what we miss. We totally miss it. And the kids, they usually see it. Pay attention to the disabled, to the invalids, to the blind, the deaf, those with special needs. See what God might be doing there. What about the hope that is to be found in prisons, 
jail cells and, and God forbid, death row and tell me that God is not desperate to do something new there. I'm sure I'm missing some. But the point is to remind us, uh, to have us think about where are the unexpected places in which God might be moving? Where can we look and see the ways in which God's love is moving in and doing a new thing? Because church, I don't want us to miss it. And maybe some of you this morning, you think that's great. That all sounds really great. These are great things to think about. But here's something else I don't want you to miss this morning. You see, Mary was a a lowly, quiet, young girl who probably oftentimes felt unseen and unheard. And maybe that's what you identify with this morning. Maybe you identify with that today, and maybe this morning you just need to be reminded of the love that God has for you in this moment right here. Maybe there's been distance between you and God. Maybe it's been quiet. Maybe you're unsure how to approach God again. Maybe you're skeptical that God could ever love you again, that God could forgive you, that God could pick you up, that God could redeem what's been lost and broken. And to that I want you to that I would say don't miss it that you are profoundly loved and seen by God. There wasn't a moment where he wasn't looking for you, where he wasn't waiting for you. There wasn't a moment where he wasn't loving you. And maybe you've believed the lie for too long that you are unlovable, that you can't be forgiven, that God can't use you. And to that I would say again, friend, God's love isn't fragile. I love Frozen 2. But, but this beautiful moment with Kristoff with and Anna in Frozen 2 is such a stark contrast to her love interest in Frozen 1, right? Remember that guy? That's Slimeball, Hans. There's this moment at the end of the movie, if you haven't seen it, where, where Anna is searching for an act of true love that will melt her frozen heart. And so naturally, she thinks to go to Hans, this, this guy who, who supposedly loves her. And she can find that act of true love there with Hans. And, and so she goes and finds him, and, and she's met with this disappointed reply where Hans says, Oh, Anna, if only there was someone out there who loved you. On this fourth Sunday of Advent, I want you to know that God's love is always waiting with open arms for you, that it will never turn you away. It will never disappoint you. It will never fail you. It will never let you down. God's love is fierce. God's love is strong. God's love is powerful. God's love is mighty. God's love is unfailing. God's love is merciful. God's love is true. God's love is faithful. And nothing, nothing can ever separate you from that love. I'm going to invite the praise team to come back and join me this morning. And as we close... We're reminded of what God's love has done. We're reminded of what God's love is doing. And we're reminded of what God's love will continue to do. 
But I don't want to leave this morning without acknowledging, church, that you and I are to be people who demonstrate this love to the world. Because the world needs this kind of love. The world may not know it, but it's desperate for this kind of love. This is the story of the inbreaking kingdom of God, and it is truly the greatest love story that's ever been told. It's a story of strength and beauty that's displayed in unexpected and powerful ways. It's a story, listen, don't miss this. It's a story of love that sacrifices itself instead of wounding others. It's the story of mercy over judgment. It's a story of humility and humanity. And it's a story of what love should be. Strong and powerful in mercy and in justice. It's a love story in the truest sense of the word. And this story continues with you and I today. As we reveal the love of God through how we live in this world and how we continue to see the kingdom of God break through all around us, in us, and through us. And I just want to acknowledge real quick, I know this is taxing. It's kind of tiring sometimes, right? It's kind of risky. It's a little overwhelming. But we give this love to the world confident in the one who goes before us who walks beside us, and who moves within us. Church, may may this be the kind of love that you and I give to the world around us. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you for reminding us through your word of what your love has done. God, we thank you for this reminder of what your love is doing And God, we thank you for the promise of what your love will continue to do. And Lord, we are confident that when we demonstrate this love to the world around us, that we will be part of the greatest love story that's ever been told. God, would you draw near to us, help us first to experience this love firsthand. God, remind us, meet us with your overwhelming, never-ending love, and give us the strength to be this love, to demonstrate this love to never fail to give freely this love to each and every person we meet. To God be the glory. We love you, Lord, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can stand with us as we sing. There's really only one response to such a wonderful and amazing love from God that we respond by coming to him and with adoration and praise. Amen.
You may be seated. Are you thankful for this love this morning? Amen. Let us go forth and and strongly and give this love freely to everyone. Well, I just have one announcement for you this morning before we leave. Actually, I have two. One planned. One was kind of a last-minute thing. But don't forget about our Christmas Eve service. It's going to be here at 6 p.m. on Friday, December 24th. Those of you who are in town, come and, and, and take part and participate in this beautiful Uh, tradition, this candlelight service. Uh, You will also notice my two children at the back. As you leave, um, they each have cards that they're handing out, and those are from us, from our family to yours. And so just make sure you grab one of those on your way out from one of those two children, and that's just a small little something you can put wherever you want to put that from us. Uh, we want to say, we want to wish you a very Merry Christmas with your family, and I have to turn it over to somebody else for a moment. Uh, Pastor Nicole, uh, Nikki, Karen, if you would come up, please. One thing we do not do enough uh, here is to thank our pastor and to thank our church staff for the great job that they do of not only keeping this place, our church home, looking fantastic, but for caring for us, for uh, faithfully leading worship Sunday after Sunday and, and leading us in worship. So, Uh, Today, we would like to say a sincere thank you to all three of you. Thank you. Aren't you glad that our church uh, believes in women in ministry (laughs) and and supports women in ministry? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing against the men. They're always welcome up here. (laughs) It's a good thing we have these ladies this morning. So, No, we do want to say a sincere thank you for all that you do to, uh, as I said, to make this place a wonderful, wonderful home for Christ to come uh, and uh, to meet God Sunday after Sunday so faithfully. So we have a little something to say thank you on behalf of your church and the church board. So um, don't you love them? Let's thank them one more time, please. Thank you. There you go, ladies. Thank you. Well, there's no other there's no other two ladies, I don't know how to say that, that I would rather work with. These are the best for sure. Well, friends, would you join me stand this morning? And brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you go in the grace and strong love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May you look for ways that you can demonstrate this love to the world around you this week. Have a very merry Christmas. You are loved. See you guys soon.